Serving the Beast Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Hardy. Welcome to the program. And apparently, apparently, there's a football game over the weekend. Yeah, apparently it was a big deal. Uh, you know, um, some people were playing football on TV. Uh, I guess it was Rihanna's bridal or birth or baby shower at the time. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know why people were playing football at Rihanna's baby shower, but they were. Um, no, actually, you know what? It was a good game. I watched it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it, too. Um, the halftime shows, some people thought it was a little lackluster. Some people thought it sucked. Um, um, I honestly did not necessarily enjoy it, but that's not because I don't like Rihanna or anything like that. It's mostly, I think, just a production value. I think they could have done a little bit better, you know, especially comparing it to last year where you had multiple, uh, singers and multiple stars coming out and stuff like that and singing multiple different hits and stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, Rihanna dressed like a lobster and surrounded by a bunch of little spermies was just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I felt like the production value kind of sucked, to be honest with you. But no, but the game itself was good. It was a close game. I enjoyed it. Um, what else happened? Apparently, three more spy balloons were shot down over the weekend. Uh, but they're not calling them that. Okay, they're not calling them that. And it's kind of weird. The interesting change in language suddenly because uh, an Air Force general gets on there. He's like, well, we're calling them unidentified objects. You know, he doesn't want to call them Chinese spy balloons. And I promise you, I guarantee that's a directive from the White House. Stop calling them Chinese spy balloons. Okay, because if you remember the first one, okay, it was spotted by the United States military over Alaska, and they said nothing until it was spotted by citizens, and they didn't even bother doing anything about it until it's viral, until the press starts questioning, and they're trying to figure out, well, what's going on? What's going on? Why is this balloon just allowed to float over us? And then they finally shot it down over the Atlantic, right? So now they're shooting them down like mad, okay? But they don't want to call them Chinese spy balloons. And I bet you, again, I bet you that's a director from the White House because it just hits the ears wrong and it makes them look bad and it makes them look weak. And I bet you the Chinese are just sending more objects over uh, in balloons um, just because, just because. I don't know if they're playing chicken or what, but just because, okay? Just to be jerks about it. Kind of like in high school where that one kid figures out what it is that annoys you and how to kind of get under your skin and suddenly they just keep trying it over and over and over again. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from the Chinese right now. Okay. But no, they, they, the, this Air Force general calls them unidentified objects. He doesn't want to say UFO. Um, and so that immediately starts a bunch of conspiracy theories about UFOs, which is just ridiculous because they are balloons. Okay, they might look different than the one that we all had pictures of on the internet, but they are balloons. And so I can't imagine aliens coming to Earth and sending balloons down, uh, you know, like, like it doesn't make sense. Obviously they're not aliens. Okay. Obviously, um, that's not what's happening here. Okay. I honestly think it's just the Chinese that just keep sending more stuff to see what happens. They're playing chicken. They're not winning, but they're not losing either. Right. They just keep sending more crap over. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed directions and tried to get, send them over a different, um, path over the United States to see what would happen. Uh, I bet the F-22 Raptor pilots are probably having a good time. It's like shooting skeet for them. Oh, here's another one. Go ahead, launch. Boom, go blow them up, right? Although there was one thing that was um, alarming. They used a Sidewinder missile, and apparently it missed uh, one of them. And the Pentagon comes out, and they're like, yeah, we're pretty sure it didn't do any damage wherever it landed. Like, they didn't bother, like, tracking the missile to see where it would go. I mean, obviously, nobody on the news, like, came out and said, hey, yeah, the Sidewinder missile blew up my house or, you know, um, hit a school or something like that. But, I mean, I feel like that's something you should probably be tracking, and that's the big problem with shooting those things over 
uh, the United States or Canada is you do have to pay attention to where the bullets are going or where the missiles are going and stuff like that. Um, and where, of course, it's going to land. So I think I talked about that in the last, pa- last podcast. You can't just shoot them down. You have to pay attention to where they're going to land. And, and you know, it's behind the target, especially if you're um, using ammunition or missiles or whatever you're using. Again, if you miss, you got to know what's behind that target. Um, so, yeah, so that's what's happening. It's kind of funny. It's kind of driving me nuts. And that's not really what I wanted to open up this podcast with. Um, what I really wanted to talk about was a new study that came out um, from a district attorney uh, here in Northern California. So just to give a little bit of background, so there's this ongoing debate about the bail system, and some states have attempted a zero bail, um, which means you get arrested, you don't have to post any bail, the judge can release you at his own discretion, his or her own discretion. Um, I've talked to judges about this when they were first talking about it, and they all kind of said the same thing. They don't want to be held accountable for what someone does after they get released. So some judges I spoke to said they were actually less likely to release people if there was no bail system, right? Because the bail system is mandated by law, which means a judge could wash his hands of it, right? Because he could look at it and say, hey, look, this is the bail schedule. The law mandates that I set a bail. And so if that person posts bail and gets out and commits another crime, that's not on me. However, if you leave the discretion to the judge and that person gets out and commits another crime, murders somebody, something like that, that will come back on him because the judge is an elected position. Okay? He will be held accountable to the voters in one way or another. Either he can be impeached, removed from office, or simply voted out. Okay? So that's the first thing to consider. A zero bail system could result in less people actually being able to get out of jail and properly defend themselves in court. Okay? Now, here's the other problem with bail. And this is, this is the big debate. It's not really a problem in my opinion, but this is the big debate that's been going on with the bail system. Okay, the debate is, is if you're poor, you stay in jail. And if you're rich, you just put up the money and you can get out. And a lot of people will look at that and say that's unfair. And on the face value, I would tend to agree with you, except for one little detail that I'm going to explain in a second. Right, but on the face value, yeah, it's, you're not wrong. If you have money, you can post bail and get out, okay? If you don't have money, you're stuck in jail, okay? Um, that's what the bail bondsman system can do because at that point, you're only posting 10% and there's a third party whose job it is to try and make sure you make it to court. So the court's saying, hey, look, you want to freaking put that on your head? That's fine. You can post his bail. And if he doesn't make it to court, you're going to pay me the full amount, right? That's, that's how that system works, okay? Because basically you pay a bondsman 10%, right? So if you have a $10,000 bail, you're like, I don't have 10 grand. You pay a bondsman $1,000. He pockets that cash and he tells the court, hey, let him out. And if he doesn't make it to court, I will pay you the $10,000. Okay, that's how that works. Um, but here's the problem. Here's, here's the, the issue with the poor people versus rich people and getting out thing. And this is why the system actually works. Because if you're able to post a certain amount of bail, okay, you have assets, you have a job, you have a career, you have a business, you likely have a family because of that. Okay, if you have the money to put up, you have things that you are not going to walk away from. Okay, somebody doesn't put up $100,000 in bail and then turn around and just leave the country. Okay, they don't sit there and abandon their families or their houses or their cars or their trucks or whatever like that. Okay, so that was the one thing about the bail system and just statistically... The people who post bail are more likely going to deal with their stuff. 
because they most likely have something to lose. People who are poor, who don't have to post bail and still get released, um, have nothing to lose. And that's what the Yolo County District Attorney actually just came out and did with the study. Okay, whoops, I lost my spot here. Okay, so he looked at it and said, okay, people who post bail, um, 46% are oftentimes arrested again uh, after they get released. However, if you had zero bail, that number goes up to 78%. So three quarters of the people who are released on zero bail get rearrested. Uh, 62% are arrested more than once. Where if they post bail, 25% would be arrested more than once. Uh, uh, arrested for a felony after being released on bail for another case, 63% of those. Okay, as opposed to 33% if they posted bail. Uh, arrested for a misdemeanor, 67% as opposed to 30% if they did post a bail. So what they're saying is, is if they post bail, the amount of uh, uh, the odds of reoffending during that time before they even handle the first case are dramatically decrease versus if they pose zero bail, right? So you're getting that slap on the wrist, essentially. Okay, and he goes on and on and compares male and female, but the point is, is he was pointing out that when there's no bail, there is a dramatic increase of reoffending. Why? Because there's no, there's no consequence, okay? There's nothing there, right? It's a slap on the wrist. I've seen it before, serving as a bailiff in traffic court, where these young men with these little hot rod cars will show up not with one ticket, but sometimes three or four. Because they get pulled over, they get written, they get, they get a citation, and because it's just a ticket and a court date and now no immediate consequences, nothing that's immediately hurting you, they reoffend again and they reoffend again. Sometimes it's another speeding ticket, maybe it's a seatbelt violation, sometimes it's a mechanical issue with their car, sometimes it's reckless driving, whatever it is. And they will literally show up with two, three, four tickets because the consequences aren't immediate. They're not thinking all the way through. Okay. Now, here's how I would change the bail system because some people would still argue, okay, there is still a rich versus poor um, issue going on. And one thing they started doing here in California, which I somewhat agree with, is shut up, computer. I am doing work here. Do you mind? Um, that I somewhat agree with is they've been having probation go and interview these people before they get released and try and figure out what do they have. Right? So they can look at it and say, okay, this guy doesn't really have any criminal history. He has a house. He has a job. He has a kid. He has these things. He's less likely to abscond because he has things anchoring him to the area. Okay, And then a judge could look at that and say, okay, I'll release him with zero bail. Okay, And then they look at other people and say, hey, yeah, this guy is a young man, lives with his parents, has family in Mexico. He has no job, no, no kids, no nothing, nothing really anchoring him to the area. Okay, they're less likely to get released. Does that make sense? So they they, they kind of do these interviews and these studies uh, to give uh, opportunity to help the judge make an informed decision, and I think that helps a lot. But here's how I would do it. I would not eradicate the bail system, but I would change it in a way where you post your bail, and when the case is resolved, you get your money back. Okay, because that's where I think the system kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm totally off base here, but that's where I think it's totally wrong. Okay, so imagine you post a $10,000 bail. Okay, you commit some crime, boom, you got a $10,000 bail. And your family's like, look, I think you're innocent, wrong place, wrong time, whatever it is, you know, cool. Let's get you out so you can go back to work, so you can provide for your family, so you can um, fight this case and prepare your own defense. Cool. The family scrapes together, they come up with money, talking to cousins, uncles, whatever, everyone donates, you know, GoFundMe, whatever, you get $10,000, you go out. Okay, but when the case is resolved, 
that money, I think, should get returned back to you. Basically, you hold the money hostage, right? So you hold it there and say, okay, grandma put up $10,000 so I can get out. Whether I get sentenced or whether I get uh, not guilty, whatever, when the case is resolved, that money can go back to grandma, okay? That's how I think I would change the system. That's how I think I would look at it just a little bit differently and make it so that money could actually be returned to the people that put it up. That way, if you do abscond, if you do flee the area or flee the, the country or whatever like that, boom, your loved ones, you're not getting your money back, right? It's like holding that money hostage. It's like holding, holding it over something, okay? Um, it's, it's like holding an asset, right? And so I don't know. I, that, that's just my idea. I think if I, I wouldn't eradicate the bond system, I think it does a lot of good. Um, but I think if you truly have those cases where people are scrambling or, or hurting or trying to get over, I think you should do a combination of everything. Okay, is the person poor? Do they just have no money? Okay, do we just keep them locked up forever? Or do we just employ speedy trial and get them out of there as fast as they can? Or do we have a bond system where they can scrape together money and try and make something work? Or do we do a combination with the interview thing where we say, okay, well, what's holding them to the area? What do they have here? What assets? What support system do they have here? Okay, they got all this going for them. All right, maybe they should be released on zero bail based off their income. Okay, I think we can reach a middle ground and try and figure out a good system that will work and that simply is not going to be just an ultimate zero bail because for whatever reason, but actually have a way where you can hold people accountable, hold them in jail, and make them face the consequences of their decisions, regardless of what the case is. Hey folks, if you're like me, I get really sick and tired of spending five, seven, eight, twelve bucks every day at Starbucks or Dutch Brothers or one of these other coffee places. And then you turn around and hear about places like Starbucks and how they treat law enforcement and how cops are getting kicked out. Well, I got a new company for you, right? If, if you're at that point where you just want to make good quality coffee from home, I want you guys to check out my new friends, 1097 Coffee. This is a law enforcement and veteran-owned local first responder theme business. Now, I want to pull this little expert from their website, 1097coffee.com, all spelled out, no, no numbers. 1097 Coffee was created in support of our first responders. This includes our military, police, fire, dispatchers, emergency medical service, and our motto is support to all. If you're looking for a company that supports causes you believe in, check out 1097coffee.com and order from their either medium, dark, or dark roast selections. That's 1097coffee.com, and you can also find them on Facebook or Instagram. Right, and we're back. So, during the State of the Union address, Biden gets on there, and he's all angry, and he's yelling, and he's being kind of weird about it, you know, he's talks all nice and soft, and then he gets really mad, he starts yelling and stuff, like, he, he literally, like, if you talk about classic dictator um, mannerisms, like, that's exactly how he's coming off. I'm not calling him a dictator, I'm not, this is not a jab at Biden in general, but um, he does this thing where he starts talking about, of course, assault weapons, an assault weapons ban, and all this kind of stuff, in which... We've, we've hammered this on the show before. There's really no such thing as assault weapons. They tried to do this in California before. They tried to define what an assault weapon is. And the truth is they just want to get rid of semi-automatic firearms, right? And this is a semi-automatic firearm is, of course, a gun that fires every time you pull the trigger where you don't have to do any type of action to reload the firearm, right? So it's not a pump. It's not a lever action. It's not a bolt action. You know, it just has a gas system that every time you pull the trigger, the gun cycles itself and reloads itself, right, until you run out of bullets. Okay, that's really what they're going after. 
Okay, so for people who are pro-gun but they hate quote-unquote assault weapons or military-style assault weapons, um, they're they're going after all your guns. Okay, that that's what they want. Okay, and I'll tell you right now, history has proven time and time again that firearms, when when, when you have the leadership of a country saying firearms are the bad thing and we should get rid of them, they plan to do something that, you know, might make you want to shoot them. So always hold on to your guns. Never let that stuff go. But I'm bringing this up because um, we just had another school shooting. It was um, uh, uh, a Michigan state. Uh, Three people were killed. Five were injured. Um, The the, the details are still coming out. I don't like to comment on these things too early because when I do, of course, and more details come out, I'm like, oh, well, that's new information we didn't have. You know, so, and I see this with politicians all the time. They'll come out and they'll call a knife attack a shooting or they'll say, oh, it's white supremacy and the person was Hispanic or something like that. Like, stop, okay, until all the information comes out, until we can get the whole picture of what's going on. Um, you know, what we do know is a 43-year-old um, Anthony McRae, who apparently has no ties to, to the university, went and opened fired um, on certain parts of the campus. And, of course, he does this right after the speech where Biden starts pushing a, a, a gun ban of some sort, right? So... If you're a conspiracy theorist, you immediately start bridging those gaps and you're like, oh, yep, this is what's happening, right? This is what's happening. This guy is a secret, you know, government agent of some sort or whatever it is. Just stop, okay? Although I like to dabble in conspiracy theories, you know, they're rarely actually true. Um, so don't get, don't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I will tell you this, though, and I've talked about this a lot. Okay, we talk about school shootings. We talk about this stuff. The reason why these things happen, okay, and Michigan, by the way, is a blue state. Okay, and they happen to tend to happen in blue states that tend to have more gun control than other states. Um, The reason why these things happen is because they're horrendous, they're terrible, they're awful, they're shocking to the senses, and they get good ratings. Okay, so if you're a psychopath, if you're crazy and you want to immortalize yourself, this is what they do. Right? They do this because it gets lots of press coverage. Okay, they will talk about it forever. Okay, and they go after schools because they get the most press coverage when a school is attacked. Okay, the more people you kill, the more press coverage you get. And schools are generally soft targets because idiots like to uh, pass these laws making campuses gun-free zones. Okay, and then they don't want school resource officers there and they don't hire any other security or anything going on. And so these schools become soft targets. So this madman can go onto the campus and they can unload their weapons and they can kill and hurt as many people as possible and then they get killed or they kill themselves or they're immortalized in some way because for years to come people are going to talk about it there's going to be um memorials put out there's going to be statues there's going to be plaques there's going to be talked about the news for months uh police officers will study it and they'll talk about it in trainings for a year to come for years to come when i train people about active shooters the first one i talk about is columbine Okay, and Columbine wasn't the first school shooting that's ever happened, but it was the first time that it suddenly became a really big national conversation about gun control. Okay, that's why they do it. So the solution, in my opinion, is stop letting schools be soft targets. Okay, ban the gun-free zones over schools. Okay, if a teacher wants to go get training and get a concealed weapon, cool, let them. Okay, if school districts want to bring in school uh, resource officers, which I think is your best bet, Um, If you're not going to arm your teachers, right, bring in school resource officers, right? When I was a school resource officer, I used to park my patrol car right out in front of the school, fully marked patrol car right out in front of the school, because if anyone came to do harm to these kids, I wanted them to see me. I wanted them to know that I was there, that they would have to deal with a trained police officer who was wearing body armor. Okay, so, I mean, 
Yeah, this idea that we keep allowing our schools to be soft targets, that we keep banning firearms, is just ridiculous to me. Okay, courthouses, courthouses are notorious for upsetting people and getting people upset and violent people wanting to take revenge on a judge or take revenge on a lawyer or take revenge on the bailiff or, or whatever like that. But how often do you hear about an active shooter in a courthouse? Never. Okay, why? Because you go to the courthouse and you're immediately met with armed security. Okay, you're immediately met with metal detectors. You're, you're, the courthouses are filled with bailiffs who are deputy sheriffs who are trained cops wearing body armor. Okay, you're not going to get very far if you attack a courthouse. You're just not. Okay, but if, but if you're a madman and you really want to just immortalize yourself, you go attack a school. Because these liberals that run the schools are so anti-gun, okay, and they, they, they don't want any guns on campus, thinking that they're just magically going to pop up and start hurting people. Okay, but when that madman comes on your campus and he starts opening firing, guess what? The person you're really going to want is the good guy with the gun. And these shootings last just as long until the good guy with the gun shows up. Okay, so I don't know why we continue to do this. And people are like, well, I don't want my kid's school to be a prison. Well, I don't want my kid's school to be a prison either. But a courthouse doesn't feel like a prison and it's secure. A museum doesn't feel like a prison and it's secure. You go to any government building, they don't feel like prisons and they're secure. Okay, why do we continue to allow our schools to be soft targets? Okay, it's absolutely disgusting. Okay, and time and time again, these things happen, and Democrats come up here and says it's all about guns, and Republicans say, no, bring guns onto campus to protect our kids, and the debate continues, and nothing ever gets done. Because Democrats are never going to do anything, because they want to ban your firearms, and they want more gun control, okay? And so they, they want more of these things to happen. I hate to put it that way, that's a very strong accusation, but I'm going to put it that way, okay? They're allowing this to happen at this point. Okay, I wish they would do what they did or they're doing in Indiana right now. Okay, there's a new Senate bill um, in Indiana, House Bill 177. Okay, Indiana already changed their law where if a teacher wants to go ahead and get their concealed carry permit or however they do it in Indiana, they can do that. Okay, schools, individual schools can dictate their own policies about when and how they carry, blah, 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 but uh, they cannot no longer prevent a teacher from carrying a firearm. This House Bill 1177 is handgun training for teachers. So not just allowing them to carry a firearm, but how about advanced training too? That's where I'm at. Okay, school resource officers are expensive. Not every school district is going to be able to afford one. When I was a school resource officer, I was taking care of three schools at once. I couldn't be everywhere at once. And these schools weren't close to each other. Okay, so, but if you had armed individuals... Okay, instead of paying for extra security or something like that, just have a few teachers. And, and at their own discretion, I'm not saying you mandate a teacher. If, if you're not comfortable with a firearm, cool, don't carry one. Okay, but if you have a janitor, if you have a PE teacher, if you have a history teacher, if you have someone who's like, no, I'm comfortable with firearms and I can comfortably conceal a firearm on me without some kid getting a hold of it, without being stupid with it, cool, let's give those guys some training. Right? And not just training once a year, let's do it twice a year. Have your local law enforcement run it. I'm sure they got armorers or, or gun range guys or whoever that will give them the training and run through scenarios with them. Okay, let's do it. Okay, let's stop just kicking the can down the road and making this political all the time. And let's just protect our kids. Because protecting our kids shouldn't be a political issue. It should not be something that debated on the national, on, on, on the national front. It shouldn't be something debated on the floors of Congress. Let's just protect our children. Okay, and stop worrying about um, the politics of gun control and all that. Okay, that's the issue. 
Okay. And I can talk about other issues too, like the media releasing the names of these people and immortalizing them. I'll tell you right now, some of this will change a lot if the media just agrees to stop reporting on it. Okay. If the media all just came out and said, you know what, we're never going to report on an active shooter case again, and we're going to stop immortalizing these people, and we're going to stop make, letting them be famous, that would, that would go a long way. You can't do that. Obviously, they have freedom of press, and they have freedom of speech. Okay, so I would not support any law doing that, but if the media did it on their own, and I've known some media outlets, I think The Blaze does that now, where they will no longer release the names of these people. They will report on the incident, but they will no longer release the names of the people that did it. Not to protect them, but because they don't want to immortalize them anymore. Okay, and I, I totally agree with that mindset, and I think it's a good way to go. Hey folks, I realized the gold commercial for this was getting, well, old. So I decided it was time to re-record it. Grandma'sPantryPocadella.com. That's Grandma'sPantryPocadella.com. One of our oldest sponsors. It's Brian and Kim, my good friends. Uh, for all your custom jams and jellies, I have a case of them in my pantry right now. Very unique flavors. If you have guests coming and you want to just wow them with something different than your typical strawberry and grape, Grandma'sPantryPocadella.com for your custom jam and jelly needs. All right, all right, all right, look at it. We, we've all done this, folks. We've all done it. Everybody who's ever imagined about being in prison or in jail or in some sort of kidnap scenario has thought about, okay, how would I escape? How would I escape? Even right now, I'm in my studio, and I'm reminding myself that uh, this was built with two Vifors, uh, sheetrock, 16-inch uh, is on the, each stud, and I could punch a hole in sheet rock, and I could probably claw my way out of here if I had to go out the front door or out, out out a window or something like that, right? Like, everyone has done that. How would you escape, okay? And we all love those great stories and those great movies about these genius people who figure out how to escape from prison or how to rescue somebody who is unjustly uh, imprisoned or something like that, right? There's always something like that, right? And you get all these resources like helicopters and stuff like that, or you tunnel out, you know, Um you know, so we all have these great stories. And so I'm bringing this up because the story caught my attention. Uh, Ho Jose Diaz, who was serving a 15-year sentence in Bolivia for murder, which I, I'm not even going to get started on murderers who get sentences as light as that. But anyways, um, apparently his idea, his concept for escaping from prison, and he almost succeeded. He actually was not in his cell. Was he dressed like a sheep? <laughs> okay, I wish I could show you guys the pictures. But he literally made, I'm guessing this prison has some sort of farmer access or whatever, you know, because it's not uncommon for um, governments and people to find jobs for prisoners that can do. But apparently he got a hold of enough wool to attach it to a jacket and attempt to simply crawl out of prison <laughs> dressed as a sheep. Oh, I'm I'm reminded of Ace Ventura when he's in the Rhino, the second movie, and he's trying to get out. But yeah, uh, there's this picture of this guy wearing a sheep coat, and he thought he could just kind of crawl along the field and escape that way. Oh my gosh. Oh, anyways, yeah, he thought he could just, I don't know, dress like a sheep and escape. I mean, we 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 see these comedies where people do stupid stuff like this, but this guy actually tried it, 
And so, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I wish I was doing YouTube right now because I'd show you guys the video. Um, but yeah, he, he dresses up like a sheep. Uh, the guards, of course, notice that he's not in his cell. And so they go out looking for him. Um, and yeah, he caught him out basically using a fleece coat. And it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Uh, I'm going to post that to our um, Facebook or social media and stuff. Uh, another story that caught my eye was, I mean, I, it's hard for me not to do a Florida man story. So I was looking at news from Florida, and sure enough, these, these deputies come across this guy. He's blocking the lanes of traffic. It's in the middle of the night. They go to contact him. They can smell alcohol coming from him. It's going to be your typical DUI. Um, the deputy, I don't think he was going to do the DUI. I think he was in city limits, so he called the local PD to come over and handle the case, um, which is not unusual if that sounds weird to you guys. That's actually a normal thing. Um, and so, but as he's sitting there waiting, he hears the guy. Basically, he sees him reach down. All of a sudden, he hears, he opens up another beer and starts drinking it right in front of the deputy, which, of course, leads to the deputy to reach in and be like, no. And, of course, that starts a little bit of a fight. He gets out, and the guy is just toasted. <laughs> and so, I mean, leave it to a Florida man to attempt to continue drinking in front of the cops while he's being investigated for DUI. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave it right there because it's freezing cold here in my studio, and I do not want to be out here another second. Um, this is Disturbing the Peace. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions for topics, shows, stories you want me to touch on, dtp at usa.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Feel free to message us that way. If you disagree with something I'm saying or want to add something to it, dtp at usa.com or message us on Facebook. I will happily address your opinion here on my show. Um, and if you're right, you're right. If I'm wrong, I will admit that. Or if I have something else to add to it, then I will. Um, dtp at usa.com. Thank you.